Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by our host and star of this show, Jerry Trupiano. This is On the Record with Jerry Trupiano, episode 407. We've eclipsed 63,000 fans today. We appreciate your support. want to thank our two early bird sponsors here, One Blackout Coffee. Uh, their slogan is Be Awake, Not Woke. You can use Jerry's code at checkout. We'll put it in the show notes for you to get 20% off your, your coffee. And then you'll get 15% off in perpetuity using his code. Coffee's on Troop the entire year of 2024. He's got deep pockets. The second sponsor is Major League Baseball's newest bat that got certified just during the winter meetings, Jaw Bats. Uh, we're their first sponsor partnership. And uh, with, with Jaw Bats, you go to their checkout, use RVG for Real Voices of the Game. RVG at checkout will get you 20% off all your purchases with them. Um, even the great maple bats and my son Tanner just got one. He's using it. And our very own Jeff Fry host is she gone is using one down at the Red Sox fantasy camp. So we hopefully hit some hits 300 down there. We can get some sales with jaw bats. So with that, with episode 407, Jerry, we got a repeat offender here today. We're lucky to have him. He's a popular yeah, we, guy. Yeah, Dave, you're right. We're lucky to have John McLean, senior columnist for sports radio 610 in Houston a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, former president of the Pro Football Writers Association of America. Uh, he's in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. He's been on every radio station in America today, I think, and, and for weeks and weeks and weeks. He's been in movies. Uh, he wrote for years for the Houston Chronicle covering pro football. John, I, I know this is probably what you I think you told me your 12th interview today about what's going on in the NFL because there was a seismic move in the league today with the departure of Bill Belichick from the uh, Patriots did you see that one coming yeah everybody knew he was gone I mean there were stories I mean Tom Curran from NBC Boston who I've known forever he wrote weeks ago that he was out the decision was made after the lot the game in uh, Europe and Tom's been covering that team a long time, and he knew that scoop was going to get a lot of attention. And for him to put it out there, it had to come from one source, because mm-hmm. only one source would know that. Yep. And that would have been Robert Kraft. So uh, Ian Rappaport came back right after that, said a decision has not been made. Well, both of them can say they were right. And uh, Dan Shaughnessy tweeted today, uh, I guess it was in his column in the Boston Globe, there's no mutual parting of the ways. He was fired. He would have been back if he wanted to, if he wanted to be, if if they wanted him, he wanted to be back. So it was a firing. But anyway, they handled it with dignity at the news conference. And Belichick, uh, you know, he'll feel like he's uh, starting out again, starting over with a new organization. And I'm sure he'll be re-energized because the Patriots are in such bad shape right now. And uh, that's not a premier job with Belichick gone, Brady gone, a lot of the players, no quarterback. It's bleak. And uh, so there's other jobs that he'll be able to do. I'll tell you a good story, Jerry. Yesterday I was yesterday afternoon, I was doing an interview with Ryan Fowler from Tuscaloosa. And for your listeners, that would be Alabama. 
and I do his show quite a bit because he likes to keep up with the Alabama people uh, who are with the Texans, Duico Ryans, defensive end Will Anderson Jr., linebacker Christian Harris, receiver John Mechie the third. So he had asked me a question, and I was talking about the playoffs, and I stopped waiting for the next question. There was nothing. And I'm, I was about to say, you got another question, Ryan? And he said, uh, I'm I'm sorry, John. Um I'm I'm reading this to make reading something to make sure I'm reading it right before I say it. Um, um Nick Saban has resigned. And I said, Ryan, thank you for having me on. Do your job. And I hung up. Because I could imagine that's the main talk show in Tuscaloosa. Everybody was caught off guard by Saban, Pete Carroll, Belichick, where the people shouldn't have been caught off guard, and Mike Vrabel, people got caught off guard. Now everybody's saying Gerard Mayo will be the replacement, 16 years of the organization. I'll be interested to see if he keeps Steve Belichick to call the defense or if Mayo wants to do it. But big changes up there. And you know what they say, Jerry, about replacing the legend? You want to be the person who replaces the person who replaced the legend like at KTRH in Houston once you left to go to uh, cover the Red Sox first person that replaced you on our station he did a poor impersonation of Jerry Truppiano uh oh uh oh you know maybe it's I've seen too many Oliver Stone movies but the Saban retirement and the Belichick dismissal did did you ever see the i think espn put it together they they had or maybe it was the uh nfl network they had the two of them they're very close yeah that was espn and they they had this uh, sort of a mini documentary i i i I was i was it's so coincident is there a coincidence that they both one arguably the best college coach ever the other arguably the best NFL coach ever, and, and they both are, are are departing within 24 hours. Well, Belichick departed because he was shown the door, but allowed some dignity to say it was a mutual parting of the ways. Saban caught everybody off guard. Saban is the greatest coach in college history. Belichick, when he had Brady, was the greatest coach in pro football history, but he's been terrible without Belichick, especially when he's with the Browns, one playoff appearance, started off terribly uh, in New England. And then you often wonder what would have happened if Mo Lewis had not hit Drew Bledsoe and knocked him out, forcing Tom Brady, second-year quarterback, into the lineup what if would have happened to Tom Brady if that never happened? Probably after four years, if there were no injuries, because you know Bledsoe was such a big deal. Ted Johnson, who's a longtime co-host with me here on Sports Radio 610, now he's up in the media in Boston, and he said all the players on that team, and Ted is a five-year veteran when Brady was a rookie, and he said everybody thought when Bledsoe was healthy, Belichick would give him his job back, and when he didn't, they were in shock. And he said Brady had done well, but still, you were talking about the team leader, the best player, but, boy, it went down as one of the greatest decisions in history. And I remember, and you do too, when Nick Saban was a defensive backs coach uh, for the Oilers in 88 and 89, 
and he got the job because a defensive back coach with the Vikings didn't get along with Jerry Glanville, the head coach, during the interview. And that defensive back coach from the Vikings was Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll didn't get the job. Nick Saban did. And uh, it's funny that both of them were gone on the same day. John McLean, you, you've uh, you've covered pro football for a long time. And back to your Chronicle days covering the Oilers. So you would have seen Belichick twice a year when the Oilers played the Cleveland Browns being in the same division. What's the difference between the Cleveland Browns' Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots' Bill Belichick? When he was with the Browns, and he has some great people on his staff, like Nick Saban, guys that went on to be successful coaches in the NFL and college, unlike New England, where nobody went on to be successful except Bill O'Brien, who won four division titles and two playoff games with the Texans. And if you can call that successful, but it was compared to all those others who didn't do squat after they left Belichick in New England. And in Cleveland, he was trying to turn over the team. He was at, you know, he had two big controversies. Bernie Kosar, one of the most popular players in history, he wanted him gone. It was ugly. I mean, ugly. He warred with the media. He fought with the beat guys. And uh, then Modell announced he was leaving. And Belichick was the coach. So it was the worst of times. They made the playoffs one year. He won a game. But that was it. And then when he went to New England, had a losing record that first year, he was one in six as far as playoffs. And remember, history will show, not, I mean, history won't show, but this is a fact. Robert Kraft wasn't some great judge of quarterbacks. He hired Bill Belichick because he wanted to get back at Bill Parcells. Parcells was running the front office. He moved to the general manager's job of the Jets. He elevated Belichick to be the head coach. And when Bill was introduced, he announced he was resigning and going to the Patriots. And that was about the ultimate humiliation that Robert Kraft could do to Parcells. And, oh, by the way, it worked out pretty well, thanks to Mo Lewis. Yeah. What uh, What do you think was – okay, put, put, put on your, your Oliver Stone, I guess. I mentioned that name again. What was the problem where Belichick and, and Kraft – had a parting of the ways uh, philosophically, let's say. I think the fact that they couldn't develop a quarterback and Mac Jones uh, played well as a rookie. Everybody was really fired up about him. Then Belichick made a big mistake when he put a special teams coach and a defensive coordinator running the offense and coaching him, and he regressed incredibly. Then he brings Bill O'Brien back from Alabama to try to straighten out Mac Jones, and it didn't. And by the end of the year, he was the third emergency quarterback. And that's how far they had fallen with him. And their drafts had been terrible. There's a stat out there, Jerry, that their number one pick over a certain number of years, all of them, none signed a second contract with the Patriots. So once Nick Casario left there, he was right-hand man to come to Houston three years ago. They've done a terrible job of drafting. And uh, I think when he gets a new job, they're not going to let him just pick it up and do it the way he did. I think he needs a younger, creative offensive coordinator. 
I'm guessing he'll take his son Steve to call the defenses again because their defense was good. They just didn't have players talent on offense and didn't have a quarterback. When Bailey Zappi is your starter, you know you're in trouble, and you guys have to had to witness that. And uh, I uh, I think Kraft got tired of losing. He was spoiled, and he was spoiled. And I'm guessing he probably held it against Belichick that Brady wanted out. Belichick was harder on Brady than any player, and that probably wears you down. I would love to see – it's not going to happen, but I'd love to see Brady uh, get approved by the owners to be a minor partner in the Raiders with Mark Davis. And Mark Davis hires Belichick. Brady is one of his bosses. Brady can go to practice every day and berate him. The, the, the Brady situation – is is the thinking or is the rumor out there that that Brady and and Belichick besides him being hard on Brady it seems like other than when Randy Moss came in that Belichick really didn't do much to ease the load on Brady and and and, and load up on the offensive side is there anything Well he didn't at wide receiver that's for sure he had guys like uh Julian Edelman uh uh I forgot Hogan's first name Wes Welker, a lot of little receivers running around in the in the from the slot. Slot receivers, yeah. And and they tried they did draft some receivers high. Now when they got Gronk in the second round and he was fell to the second because of a back injury, you know, that helped Brady more than anything that ever happened because Moss didn't su- survive up there very long. So I think the best thing that Bill did for him was uh that he got Gronk, and Gronk's one of the greatest tight ends in history. Now, he had Dante Scarnecchia, maybe the greatest offensive line coach in history. Yeah, I was going to bring No matter what they put up front or who, Scarnecchia could make it work. And since he retired, first time he retired, they talked him out of it or brought him back. And then he's retired the second time. And since he left, their offensive line has not been very good. And they've had bad draft choices up front as well. The, uh, the the job where uh, the head coach is also the, the general manager, if, if not even in name, but fills that role, is that gone by the boards now? Right now, there are head coaches that have full say, and they have a general manager. Like Kyle Shanahan has it in his contract, he has final say, and John Lynch get along great. But I'll see people saying, oh, that was a great trade John Lynch made. Well, he did actually make it, but Shanahan had to sign off on it. Pete Carroll had final say. Andy Reid, Sean Payton had it in New Orleans. He has it in Denver. Belichick, of course, he did. And uh, But I don't know. I don't think that's the way to go. You know, Belichick, he, he, he didn't have it the first year. Somehow, after a losing season, he got crapped to give him control. When Bill O'Brien came to Houston, he told me early in his tenure in 2014, a head coach can't win consistently in the NFL unless he has the control that Bill has in New England. And I thought, oh boy, Rick Smith, the GM, better watch his back. The, 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 the Belichick story has so many different angles to it. When, when, when you look at the success they had, they're, and then the really, it, it, it's tough in this day and age, I think, in any professional sport to have a happy ending. And certainly this one wasn't a happy ending for, for Patriots fans. 
I don't think, I mean, everybody knew it was coming. It was inevitable. But once you make, you know, you, you cut the, cut the rope and then you know that you're separated forever, but they're going to have a lot of great memories. And uh, they've been spoiled up there with all those championships you guys win in that area up there. And the Patriots, they're not the Celtics who won all those under Red Arback, but they're, they've won a lot. And it's going to be tough on the next coach because they need a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Matthew Slater, the best special teams player, he's late, he's retiring. So it's going to be a rebuild. They got to get a quarterback. They cannot fail to get a quarterback. And the key is, who's going to be the general manager? Drod Mayo is like D'Amico Ryans. When you're a first-time head coach, you need an experienced general manager. D'Amico Ryan said, I wanted to work with Nick Casario. He's been a personnel guy for 22 years. I needed that. And Mayo's going to need that. So will it be somebody in the Patriots organization? It Will Will it be one of those former Patriot people with another team? There's several of them that have been fired and are out of work like John Robinson. But somebody has got to work with him. And uh, so that's not just the head coach is a big deal. The guy that oversees personnel now in place of Belichick, he's under a lot of pressure too. And you know what? If he gets a quarterback in the sixth round that has to play because of an injury and becomes the greatest in history, he'll be viewed as one of the greatest coaches in history. You've mentioned Gerard Mayo a couple of times, and the thinking up here is, yeah, he's he's the heir apparent, but we'll see. Mike Vrabel is now available. How does that enter into this or does it? Um I know Mike really well. I think the Titans made a huge mistake uh, firing him. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, well, they were going to trade him. Well, you can't trade a coach without his approval. It's not like a player. And uh, so that was never in play except in the media. And, you know, uh, Sean Payton cost number one. I can't remember what Bruce Arians cost. The biggest, most expensive trade of a coach in history was Gruden from the Raiders to the Bucks, two ones, two twos, and eight million. But he won a Super Bowl. And I think in uh, this case with Vrabel, yes, he's in the, the Patriots Hall of Fame, and yes, he won Super Bowls up there, but he knows it's not a good job right now. A better job would be Atlanta because they have two running backs. He likes to run the ball. They've got a good defense. They just don't have a quarterback. And they've got the ninth pick, which is what Carolina had last year when it made the trade up to get Bryce Young. So uh, Vrabel, I, I, I don't see him going into a bad situation and rebuilding. I could see, you know, everybody says Dan Quinn's going to Seattle. Maybe so. He was there before. He went to Atlanta as the head coach, now the Cowboys as the coordinator. But uh, I think Mike Vrabel, you know, would you rather have Antonio Pierce in Las Vegas or Mike Vrabel? I'd rather have Mike Vrabel. But, uh, you know, there's there's and there might be more openings. You know, after this weekend, if there's some teams that blow heavily favored teams that blow games, there might be another one or two coaches fired. I heard talk today that on the talk shows in Dallas, that even though Mike McCarthy's got got the Cowboys for another twelve win season and they're they're in the in the postseason, that uh, Jerry Jones and and uh, Bill Belichick have a mutual admiration thing going on. 
that's been in the national media this week. Uh, Mike Florio has been the one pushing that. I'll tell you what, do we see Belichick going in and having Jerry Jones saying, Bill, now I want to sign this guy. And Bill says, I don't want him. Well, I do. That's what happened with Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells, when they signed Eddie George and he was over the hill, when they had T.O., Parcells didn't want either one of them. Jerry Jones did and turned out to backfire. And so I think if they're good friends, they better keep it that way. I don't think there's any way Jerry Jones is going to fire Mike McCarthy, the only coach in the Cowboys history to win 12 games three years in a row. The offense is doing really well. Dak Prescott is playing great. McCarthy calls the plays. And I think they'll beat the Packers, and then they'll lose somewhere on the road because they can't play bad teams on the road, and that's the only ones they beat on the road is bad teams. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying Nick Sirianni be fired, but, man, what they must be going through in Philadelphia with this total collapse down the stretch. If they were to lose to the Bucks and be so inept as they have been on both sides of the ball, would Jeffrey Lurie say, nice knowing you? It's possible. We're, we're on the record with uh, John McLean, senior columnist for SportsRadio610.com in Houston. And, and, and John, you, you mentioned Quinn, okay, likely going to Seattle. Jim Harbaugh, can you see him in the NFL next year? Yeah, because number one, College coaches, they don't like the portal. They don't like the NIL. Players come to you after every season. I want more money. If I don't get it, uh, you know, Georgia's offering me more. So you see players just bouncing around, especially quarterbacks. That's why Saban left, and Saban's destined for ESPN. I think he'll be great on there. He's on there so much, it's almost like a second job. But uh, I think Arbaugh's coming. I think Mark Davis will try to hit a home run with him. Uh, I don't know about Atlanta. Um, not sure, but if Harbaugh's going to make that move, Jerry, it's got to be now. He's going to lose a lot of players. They win the national championship. They're unbeaten. It's been a great run. He's got the team where he wants it. They have a contract offer more than $100 million on the table for him with a no NFL clause, and I don't blame him because he's interviewed with Denver and Minnesota the last two years very quietly. But now he's been in the news so much because of the cheating scandal and his two suspensions that uh, I think if he's ever going, he's gone now. It just depends on who's going to give him the keys to the kingdom because he wants total control like he had in San Francisco when he constantly fought with his general manager. You, you, you mentioned Atlanta earlier as, as a good situation, although they, they really need a quarterback. Can you see Belichick going there? If he wants to go somewhere where a lot of pieces are in place with a terrible division, then yes, because they do have the ninth pick. The uh, Panthers last year and the Bears showed what it'll take to go from nine to one. But because there's more than one great prospect, Drake May of North Carolina is number two behind Caleb Williams, but that could change by the time the draft rolls around. And, so it doesn't take as much to trade up. Maybe they like Jaden Daniels, LSU. Maybe they like Michael Penix, Bo Nix. There's a lot of guys out there. Like if Harbaugh goes somewhere where there's no quarterback, like say Atlanta, he could draft J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy could come out. He's not going to be a high pick. 
and they could get him at number nine for sure. So if this is a great time to be a team. He's a quarterback. And uh, I think Atlanta, because they got two running backs in Tyler Algier, and then they got Bijan Robinson. They got a good offensive line led by left tackle Jake Matthews, who has the longest streak of consecutive games played in the NFL, other than kickers, just like his daddy Bruce did. And uh, so, and their defense is good. And Arthur Blank is a good owner to work for. Great stadium, great facility. Everything is set there to be successful going into a terrible division. How come nobody's talking about Eric Bieniemy anymore? Because he's had like 50 interviews. I looked on Vegas odds and saw he's in the top five on a bunch. And I'm thinking, why? What's he done other than get turned down? What did he do in Washington? They didn't do jack squat. And uh, their offense was... Mostly terrible, even though they got some talent. Sam Al was up and down. The whole idea was to go to work for somebody else, get away from the Andy Reid umbrella so he could call the plays and be responsible for the offense. And I don't know why people keep putting him on the list. And uh, But I, he'll, I can't imagine that Eric Bieniemy is going to get a head coaching job now because there's so many really good prospects out there. Plus there's some former head coaches like, Raheem Morris, Jim Jim Schwartz, guys that are doing great coaching jobs and want a second chance and and might have a chance to be, get that to get that. The the quarterback from Washington Penix that we talked about earlier, his injury situation in the past and coming out of that national championship game uh, all banged up. Uh, is he a high draft choice or a middle of the pack guy? If uh, the draft had been after the University of Texas game in uh, the Sugar Bowl, he might have challenged for the top pick. I've never seen a quarterback throw so many perfectly accurate deep balls. And the Longhorns are probably thinking after watching the championship game here in Houston, oh, my God, why didn't he play like that against us? Well, maybe Michigan had more to do with that than the Longhorns did. But Penix is not – I don't think he's going to be a high number one pick. But this is the way it is. NFL scouts will never admit this, but this is true. They don't care what they did in college. All they care about now is what they do in shorts and a T-shirt, whether it's the combine, uh, pro days, private workouts, dinners, lunches, uh, senior bowl practices. That's when a prospect can skyrocket. And if, say, Drake May does not perform well and knows his stock's going to drop. If Michael Penix does, his stock's going to go up. He tore two ACLs at Indiana where he, you know, he's played like nine years. And by the way, there's a quarterback, Zach Bowen at Oklahoma State who started Texas Tech. And somehow he got eligible for a seventh season. He's got, I think he's working on his PhD. Could be a doctor. It's amazing now uh, how long these guys can stay in school. And so Penix could go up, he could go down before the playoffs. He was looked at as a high second round pick, but that can certainly change. And I think now he's flashed what he's capable of doing. There's no quarterback in this draft who's going to get poked and prodded more at the combine by doctors than Michael Penix. How about the kid you got down there in Houston playing for the Texans, Stroud? Uh, He's not too shabby. You know, they, they, uh, when they lost the, when they won the last game of the 2022 season, 
in Indianapolis and went for two. Lovey Smith was a coach, and they made it, and they won by one. Everybody in Houston was infuriated because that victory cost them the first pick and a chance to draft Bryce Young. And um, I think if they had the first pick, they would have taken Bryce Young. They'll never admit that, but they like C.J. Stroud. Stroud was great at Ohio State. Played great against Georgia in a big game the year before the Rose Bowl. He threw for more than 500 yards, and people said, well, he had great receivers. They made him. And now they're going, well, you know what? Maybe he had something to do with those receivers' success. So uh, he had a great combine. He looked great as pro day. And so the Texans fell in love with him, and they liked him. And so they didn't hesitate to draft him. But we didn't see anything in offseason program uh, training camp preseason, first game of the year that made us think he could be special. And they started 0-2. They lost at Baltimore, and then they lost here to Indianapolis. And, but he threw for 384 yards and two touchdowns because he's in catch-up mode all the second half, threw for 190 yards in the fourth quarter. They lost 31-20. to And that got a glimpse. And then they go to Jacksonville, and they beat the Jaguars by 20. And then they beat the Steelers here by more points than any Houston team since the 91 Oilers. So all of a sudden, wow, this kid, he's special. Now we know. Then they lose at Atlanta on a field goal with no time left. They lose Carolina on a field goal with no time left. But then they beat the Bucks here, and he throws for five touchdowns. They win in Cincinnati. He outplays Burrow. So he has been outstanding. Jerry, he is one of three quarterbacks in NFL history. I know you I know you know the first two. Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Ever hear of them? Yeah, they've they had some luck, didn't they? They did. And uh they're the only three quarterbacks in history who led the league in uh and it was one time, led the league in average yards per game and touchdown to interception ratio. He led, the, he led the league 273 yards a game. He finished third in yards by a rookie quarterback by Andrew Luck and uh, Justin Herbert. And he had if he had missed two games with a concussion and he'd averaged 273 yards, he would have by, had by far the most yards for a rookie quarterback in history. But uh, he is special. And the best thing about C.J. Stroud, he doesn't throw interceptions. He's thrown – He's had an interception in three games as a rookie, and he threw three in one game, and they won. And he's very careful with the ball. Now, I say that he may go out and throw five against the Browns on Saturday. But that's what everybody likes about him. He's cool. He's poised. He's very accurate, and he makes good decisions. And that's a great way for a rookie quarterback to be. Jim Schwartz, the Browns defensive coordinator, said said yesterday, he goes, when you got a rookie quarterback throwing the ball down the field as much as he does, you're going to have interceptions, but he doesn't. And that's the most impressive thing. How much credit does Bobby Slowick get for his development? Well, Bobby is a first-time play caller. He followed D'Amico Ryans from the 49ers. He'd been with him like D'Amico since Kyle Shanahan's first year. And Bobby calls the plays, and he's been a, a growing, evolving play caller because it's the first time. And... um but Gerard Johnson, who's from Houston, was quarterback at Texas A&M, had a couple of practice squad appearances. He wanted to come home. He was assistant quarterback coach with Minnesota. D'Amico Ryans hires him. He has spent more time working 
with C.J. Stroud than anybody. And the other unsung hero is Case Keenum, their third quarterback. Case has spent a lot of time working with Stroud. And and so is Bobby Slowick, but he's devising game plans and making calls. But they've coached him really well, and he's taken the coaching really well. He's all about ball. I remember in a training camp, their defense coordinator, Matt Burke, said every time I walk off the field at camp, Stroud comes up to me and starts asking me about a bunch of coverages and rushes, and I've never had a quarterback do that. And then Jalen Petrie, their second-year safety, said he saw Stroud out a couple of times in the offseason and wanted to talk to him about music or women or anything, and all he wanted to talk to him about was football and why they do certain things they do on defense. So um, he has been – he's really popular. Our local chapter of the Pro Football Writers of America, we voted him the Good Guy Award is the one we like to interview the most. And he is a really nice, pleasant guy who laughs. He does, he he's, he gives us information. He's informative. He's entertaining, and he seem he doesn't seem like he's in a hurry to get away from the podium when we're talking to him. And that's rare for a rookie to win that award. And because uh, every team do, does them, and you, I look at all of them, and I don't see rookies do that. Now the the Texans play on Saturday in the in the postseason and they host the Cleveland Browns. The Browns quarterback has been around a little longer, Joe Flacco, isn't that that that's that's a great story. His his arrival and what he's done for the Browns this year. I have a column on SportsRadio610.com, which is has no paywall, and it's about uh, the Texans would love for C.J. Stroud to have the kind of rookie playoff experience as Joe Flacco. In 2008, when Flacco was number one pick, C.J. Stroud was seven years old, and Flacco helped the Ravens go to the AFC Championship game where they lost to Pittsburgh. And then when he was Super Bowl MVP and had one of the greatest seasons, postseasons ever for a player, quarterback, 11 touchdowns, over 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns, no interception, 124 rating, Stroud had made it up to 12. And uh, so it's young versus old, experience versus inexperience. Stroud didn't play in the game on Christmas Eve. Flacco threw for, let's see, I think it was 368 yards, three touchdowns. He had six plays of 20 or more yards. And he and Amari Cooper had 11 catches, 265 yards and two touchdowns. They humiliated the Texans' secondary. And Texans totally shut down their run, and it was all about Flacco. And so I can't wait for this game. They're already they're already planning for Flacco's homecoming in Baltimore for the divisional round. And Cleveland friends are buying tickets to that game so they can go see Flacco's homecoming. And uh, and I'm they're favored by two and a half here, so they should win. Probably will win. But if the Texans were to win, it wouldn't surprise me. I picked. I picked today on my Utopia Football Podcast, I, where I make my picks every week. I picked the Ravens to win this game, twenty-four uh, twenty. Now, Browns. I'm sorry, Browns. not the Ravens. Browns. Well, I, I want to talk about the Ravens for a second because we we started this conversation talking about arguably the greatest coach ever in the NFL, Bill Belichick. To me, the most underrated coach in the NFL these days is John Harbaugh. Isn't that amazing? He's uh, been there since 2006. He's won a Super Bowl. They're a Super Bowl contender every year. 
And the only reason they they may not be like the last two years, Lamar Jackson got hurt, missed significant games. They always can run. They always play good defense, good special teams, because remember he was special teams coordinator with the Eagles when they hired him. That turned out to be a great hire. I asked Andy Reid one time, because back then you didn't have to make the special teams coach available once a week like they do today. And I asked Andy to combine, why do you keep trotting out that Harbaugh guy to do interviews with the media every week? He said, because he's sharp, and I think he's going to be a head coach, and I think he's going to be a good one, but he needs to get a little attention. And it worked to perfection. And so uh, I picked the Ravens before the season on all my outlets, so I hope they win it. But truthfully, and by the way, Lamar Jackson's won one playoff game. He's going to be the MVP, but he needs to win – more than one play. He needs to win another playoff game. You know, he needs to go to the Super Bowl. And right now, everybody thinks they're the best team. They pounded the 49ers. A perfect Super Bowl would be the Ravens and 49ers. But you may feel like this, too, since we are veterans. I think it would be great for the NFL to see Detroit and Cleveland play in the Super Bowl. We're Lions not- haven't won a championship since the 50s. Browns haven't won one since 64. Two long-suffering fan bases. So many people in the media have been covering them for so long. I think that would be a great Super Bowl. And uh, if it's not the Ravens winning, I hope it's one of those two. Yeah, that would be great to see. In, on the subject of coaches, okay, has has the Rooney rule outlived its usefulness or is it still a necessity? Well, minority coaches, yet yet now it's extended to other positions, presidents, general managers. And I remember an uh, Oilers coach, Jerry Gray, and I was t- he he was getting a lot of interviews, and he said, "Man, they're just interviewing me because of this Rooney Rule." I said, "Yeah, but you're getting experience, and if you do a good job, an owner doesn't hire you next year may tell another owner, "Hey, you ought to check out this Jerry Gray guy with the Titans," and. Uh, so there's a lot of people that get interviewed. I can't remember how many minority coaches there are. The Texans have had four black coaches in a row. Romeo Cornell, interim. Uh, David Culley, one and done. Lovey Smith, one and done. And they deserve to be one and done because they did terrible jobs. And now D'Amico Ryan. And Ryan's never getting credit for it, but that's what the NFL wants. And D'Amico has been great. And I'm sure he'd say if that opens doors, for any other minority candidates, you know, he's he would be excited for them. And there are a lot of minorities getting interviewed. And they're talking about, yes, it's outlived its usefulness because at, at different parts, different points, there have been more black coaches then than there are now, even though more black coaches are getting interviewed. <coughs> oh, don't, don't lose your voice on me now. What about... Uh, what I'm not about- losing it. <laughs> What about this this weekend, the first round of the, the playoffs coming up? Uh, is the Miami-Kansas City game the most interesting? I think it's the most – well, people love Flacco. They're wacko for Flacco in Cleveland like they're proud for Stroud here. Cleveland story, the Flacco story is great. But because of the weather, it's supposed to be minus 5 at kickoff, minus 30 wind chill. Tuatunga Vailoa has never won a game – where the temperature kickoff was less than 45. He says he's not going to wear gloves. That's not going to last long. He'll have heaters in his pouch on his 
uniform, but it's they're going to be miserable with the Chiefs too. When it's that cold, nobody's comfortable. Everybody's miserable, and I it depends on the wind. As you know, Jerry, the wind causes more problems than snow, rain, unless there's wind. So it looks like there'd be a lot of running, and uh, it's kind of like old-fashioned football. And I subscribe to the Peacock Network, so I'm going to write as fast as I can on the Texans, and then I'm going to write, come home and write in front of the TV because I want to see what it's like. Kind of reminds me of... Uh, it, it may, even though there won't be any, I don't know if there's snow or not forecast, but it'll kind of remind me of the ice bowl. Yeah. Cincinnati and San Diego, all those years ago. Oh, that one, that was like minus 40 wind chill and it was brutal. Yeah. What about uh, if we take John Harbaugh out of the conversation for this season, who has done the best coaching job, head coaching job in the NFL? Well, if you're looking for a coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski is going to narrowly beat D'Amico Ryan's Texans improved by seven victories, three to 10. They won the division. Stefanski, uh, they were favored. Their over under on the Browns was nine and a half. And that was thinking that Deshaun Watson was going to be their quarterback. But the fact that they have used four quarterbacks, they've won games with four. That's the most in history. The Flacco story is such a great story that they could have called him sooner. And he's lost his top three offensive tackles. He lost Nick Chubb right at the start of the season, one of the best running backs. And yet they've continued to win because Jim Schwartz, who's in his first year as defensive coordinator, has done a fabulous job. So I'm going to say Kevin Stefanski because of everything they've overcome. You don't see a lot of these teams, you know, Lamar Jackson's played, Dak Prescott, Tua Tagovailoa. Josh Allen, those teams haven't had to play without their quarterbacks like the Browns did, have, have had to, and like the Texans. With D'Amico Ryan's winning seven more games, first-year coach, first-year co- coordinator and play caller, and a first-year quarterback. How about the comeback the Rams have made this year? They've done a really good job. You know, they're going to Detroit. Great story. Everybody's talking about Matthew Stafford going home. It's not just Stafford. Jared Goff was not wanted by the Rams. When they lost the Super Bowl and he didn't play very well, and Wade Phillips' defense was great, good enough to beat the Patriots, but they couldn't generate enough points, he was kind of a throw-in to get him out of the Rams, get him get him off the books, and then he's played great. So him having a chance to beat the Rams and end their season is big, just like it'd be big for Stafford to come in there and end the Lions' season. It has been an interesting year. It's not over yet. And it's always interesting to speak with John McClain. John, I can't thank you for the time. I know I know you're in demand, and rightfully so, because you you got your finger on the pulse, you're well connected, and you've you 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 know how to how to tell the tale and the, the way it should be told. I thank you for the time. Jerry, thank you very much. And as I always say when I'm on with you, I would not be where I am today without your help of hiring me and putting me on the radio in 1976. And I've been doing radio here ever since, plus a lot of national stuff. And your support and guidance uh, meant the world to me. And uh, I had a lot of fun with you traveling around uh, the United States and Canada covering the original Houston Arrows with Guardian Marty and Mark Howe. That was, I was 24 years old. 
And uh, I wouldn't trade those memories for anything. And I know you're coming down to the Houston Sports Awards on January 30th. It's a 50-year reunion of the Arrows, which you came on with a Zoom, and I was there, and I believe I will be introducing you at the event in which it's perfectly fine to wear a suit. John McClain. I checked. Thank you. John McLean. you're the best. Dave, you want to close us out? Yeah, John, thanks again so much for giving us your time. My pleasure. And I know you're busy this week, but then Jerry, as, as usual, uh, tremendous job. He gave our 63,000 subscribers a Thursday night treat and some insight into some football knowledge and, and inroads that they don't have. So we'll get this one produced and out on the roads. Thank you to Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Coffee's on Troop this year. Use his code at checkout and Jaw Batch. Check them out. They're going to be the newest certified bat in Major League Baseball this year, and we're their first sponsorship. Just count on Jeff Fry hitting hitting a home run down there, hopefully in the Red Sox fantasy camp uh, this this upcoming week. So we'll do that. Well, guys, thanks so much again. Have a great Thursday night. We'll look forward to all your predictions, John, coming true and, and all those storylines you painted for us. Episode 407 in the books, Real Voices of the Game. On the record, Jerry Trupiano with the Hall of Famer, John McClain. Thanks, guys. The sage in bloom is like perfume deep in the heart.